Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Maybe in the last few weeks you've been dishonest. Don't hide it. Don't try to hide it anymore. Don't try to glimpse over it. Just be honest. You see, when we're not totally honest, it will catch up with us. And because of that, I've seen families destroyed, husbands and wives gone, children's taken, businesses fold, you, you name it. Started with little areas in all of our life. Ministries gone. Little white lies. They've come to be commonplace and acceptable to most people. But just like big whoppers, those little white lies can still cause damage. As believers, we're representing the name of the Lord, and there's no place for any sin, even when the world around you wants to let it slide. What the world considers small sin is still damaging to your testimony. It makes it easier to accept more and more of the world and less of Jesus. Don't give in to those little things. Honesty in small matters means you can be trusted with bigger ones. That kind of witness will draw people in. Be a person of integrity and truth like Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1, with today's study. just challenge myself and you also don't let this be on your tombstone died at 23 buried at 70 you see we can go through life just like that 47 years of nothing because they died they just gave up hope there was no faith there was no life we're to put aside the flesh and be alive to God I want to challenge you. If you're following, if you're in step with God, there'll be some liveliness in your step. There'll be some joy. Those of you that are over 50, for most of you, myself included, we have less years to live than we've been born. And every year, the number gets worse all the way through. See, life is short. So we need to not walk behind God. We want to walk with God. I don't want to walk ahead of Him but I want to walk with him. I don't want to walk behind and go, oh, I'm too afraid of that. As you know, shortly, life is to be lived by faith. Just go for it. I want to challenge you. Sometimes we get in such a little rut in our life. We drive to work the same place. We have exact, and I I know some of you eat exactly the same food, but don't don't take it. I can have potatoes and meat, or I got to have tacos on Monday, and I got to have whatever. It's like a school menu. Give me a break. Who wants a little fish stick that you had in school, you know, with that scoop of whatever it was? Man, come on, have some life. I want to challenge you tomorrow. Take a different way to work. You say, well, that's not my personality. Well, make it your personality. Don't be a Christian zombie. And I'm challenging you tonight. Don't die where you're at. If God says for you, you need to head out and do this, go for it. Get excited. 
for you to know, my nature is very conservative. I'm Swiss. That's my genealogy. Everything's neat, little organized thing. Perfect. Yes, my wife's got to be just like, like this and clean and whatever. But he's growing people. So you just grow. Remember what Solomon said. If there's a mess in the barn, it means it's alive. <laughs> That's right. That's biblical. If there isn't, there's no life in the barn. So it's exciting. I want to challenge you tonight. Seriously. Some of you are in a rut. A rut is simply a grave with both ends knocked out. And it's a shame. Life is to be lived. It's going to be exciting when we get to heaven. So enjoy it now. Venture out. You know, we laugh at Peter. Peter's the only one of the disciples that walked on water. The rest are in the boat going, (laughs) they couldn't say it. At least he walked. Told my wife, if the lake at our house gets any lower, I'm going to walk across the lake. That ought to challenge a neighborhood. All right, now. <laughs> Look at verse 7. We're going to have to go through this quickly. I don't know how I got off on that, but that's all right anyway. Praise God. Aren't you enjoying the Old Testament? See there? Verse 7. The son of Carmri, Achar, who brought trouble on Israel by violating the ban on taking devoted things. Achar is also known as Achan. So let's turn back to the book of Joshua just for a moment. Let's review this story. Great story. This is one is very detailed, Joshua chapter 7. Now remember, Israel had just had their first great victory when they came over the Jordan into the promised land. And they defeated them at Jericho. Joshua chapter 7, verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel. And he told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, well, not all the people, not all our army, will have to go up against Ai. Just send two or 3,000 men to take it, and do not be weary at all. Do not weary at all the people, for only a few men are there. In other words, they had this huge victory at Jericho. It's a greatly walled city and really lots of enemy. They said, man, that was a piece of cake for us. This is a pretty little small area. Kind of like Mims. We can just go right over, take care of it. There won't be any problem. Look at verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. This was their first major defeat. So when the people came back and said, they said, how'd it go? Man, we lost 36. We were totally wiped out. Their faith just, it was like, you know, you get a bad medical report, it just drains from you. That's what happened. A leader was always to show this, and we see in verse 6, Then Joshua, the leader, tore his clothes, fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, Sovereign Lord, why did you, look who he's blaming here. Why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. There's a great leader for you, isn't it? One defeat. God, what's wrong with you? It's your fault. Verse 8. Oh Lord, what can I say now, now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. This was a good part of Joshua's prayer. And they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? So he was concerned that the people, certainly you knew when they came into Israel, 
in the land, the people went, man, these are the ones that serve this God that's real. Now he's saying, they're going to make fun of you, God. And the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down in your face? In other words, here comes now the reason for the defeat. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things, and they have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. He goes on and basically says what? They've been defeated, they've been violated, and and they've taken these things and actually put them and mixed them with their own as to kind of hide what they've done. So God gives the whole story, and we know the next day he told Joshua basically this. Let's take a look at it. He says to Joshua, you look at those verses, you can read more detail later. He says to Joshua this, assemble all of Israel tomorrow. We're going to determine who the offender is, and we're going to go tribe by tribe and person by person. We're going to go all the way through, and we're going to find out who is responsible for this. Now, did God know who it was already? Sure. Well, why is he doing this? He's doing this for a number of reasons. Number one, he wants the people to see how horrible sin is. So he's going to drag this thing out. And secondly, what you're going to see is he's giving Achan and his family time to repent. Have the whole day. Now, if you're the one guilty, are you having a good day? As they go through all the people, you're not having a good day. Just like we are, when we're caught in our sin, it's a miserable feeling. This family's feeling that way. If Achan would have responded, there are many Bible commentators that believe just like David, God would have forgiven the sin. If he'd have come up and said, it's me, I did it. But he didn't. So the rest of the story tells us by identification and through the process of elimination. By the way, God didn't have to use like CSI techniques. God didn't have to go through that and say, well, let's see who the DNA was on this stuff. He knew. There's nothing hidden from God. Now, back in Joshua 6, you, you don't have to turn there tonight, I'll read it. Here's what God had said in the law to the children of Israel. He said this, Keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. So he'd already told the people, when you go, you can't do that. What does Achan do? He does it. He'd give them instructions, the guidelines for the spoils of the battle and all those things. So the penalty of sin... Here, 36 men die. The whole nation of Israel is defeated. They're now without the help of God. All because of what? One man sinning. See, sin affects not only our family. can affect our church. can affect our community. can affect the name of God. Sin is serious. Now, Achan, he took the best for himself. And God judged him for it. We must be very careful as Christians that we give our best to the Lord, the first fruits of our time, of our money, of our talents. Don't leave here tonight and say, well, you mean i got to give to God? No, you don't have to give to God. And if you feel you have to, you've heard me say it many, many, don't give of your time or talents or anything. But I don't have to say it to this group because you guys know how to give and you give lovingly. You do a great job. Make sure numbers comes to mind when I read this. It says this, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. We'll look down at verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. 
I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. And in verse 21, you might want to circle that verse and write three things there. You see the same basic three principles that Satan continues to use in our lives today to tempt us. Achan says, when I saw, it's the first one you want to circle, in the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. Number two, circle this, I coveted them. And number three, I took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. That's the same principles that Satan still uses today. Saw, covet, and take. See, anywhere along the line at the first two, you can be home free. When you go to the third way, you're in trouble. Because now you've implicated yourself and there's no turning back. Such a little thing, it seems like, and yet we give in to such little things that Satan tempts us with. Just a little bit. And I like Chick Swindoll. One of the things he has is that we should always be known as people of pure integrity. I like that. We need to be known as people that are integrity, have integrity. Don't let a little teeny thing ruin your Christian witness. See, something very simple. I was in the store the other day and the gal rang up three oranges. I said, I got four oranges in there. You missed one. She gave me this look. She said, no, you don't. You have three. And I said, right, I think I have four. And I looked, I had three. <laughs> but that's all right. See, it's the little things. If you're honest in the little things, God will trust you with the bigger things. So Aiken knows. Now, maybe tonight you're playing with some things. Confess it. Maybe in the last few weeks you've been dishonest. Don't hide it. Don't try to hide it anymore. Don't try to glimpse over it. Just be honest. You see, when we're not totally honest, it will catch up with us. And because of that, I've seen families destroyed, husbands and wives gone, children's taken, businesses fold. You, you name it. Started with little areas in all of our life. Ministries gone. Aiken is an example for us. If you're seeing things and you're coveting them, or even if you've taken them, if you can't return them, be honest. Set your life straight with God. Now, the rest of the story I won't go in tonight, but Achan and his family are destroyed. And it just reminds you again of Romans. The wages of sin is death. You see, God was doing early on in the nation of Israel. You say, well, that's a mean God. No, it's not a mean God. God was doing early on in the nation of Israel what he did early on in the early church with Ananias and Sapphira. The first thing, boom. In other words, take notice, church. I don't go for this stuff. You need to be honest if you're going to represent my name. Now, back to 1 Chronicles chapter 2. And by the way, we'll go much faster during the next few verses, chapters, so you don't have to worry. In 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 12, we see a couple important names. If you want to do history, I think it's good for you to go back and look at. Chronicles 12, we see Boaz, the father of Obed, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and then from the sons of Jesse, we see the seventh son in verse 15. And what was his name? That one that would be important? David. That's right. Now, as you head on to 1 Chronicles 3, 
You can go down to verse 5, and we see children born to David. And David actually had 19 sons. He's a busy man. (laughs) Different wives. And notice in verse 5, Solomon is one. And again, the Second Chronicles will spend a great deal of time with Solomon. And then when we finish the book of Galatians on Saturday night and Sunday morning, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs. So we'll also see many of those wonderful things. But I want you to look at something very interesting in verse 5. I want you to see, and I just learned this this week. I never had paid attention to it before. Somebody brought it out to me in my studies. I want you to see one of the names of David's sons that might cause interest to you. What could you say it would be? That's exactly right, Nathan. Now, would you think David would name one of his sons Nathan? You say, well, what does Nathan have to do? Well, remember, Nathan was the prophet that came to David and said, David, the sin you've been hiding with Bathsheba for one year, you're the man that's guilty. Look what David does later. After being called on the carpet, after being told he must repent, he names one of his sons, Nathan. That shows me a man that's teachable. That shows me a man that isn't... You know, normally, don't mention that name Nathan around me again. That's how I got in trouble. He makes one of his sons, Nathan. Wise man. He learned from his mistakes. He's teachable. That's a challenge for you and I. First Chronicles chapter 4, you can just write by that chapter, J-A-B-E-Z, we're going to study his prayer, Jabez's prayer. Look at First Chronicles chapter 5. Look down at verse 10. During Saul's reign, they waged war against the Hagrites, who were defeated at their hands. Who were the Hagrites? They were the Ishmaelites, who came from Abraham and Sarah. Remember? He got ahead. So here we are again. When you get ahead of God, there's trouble for the future generations. Just amazing as you see those. First Chronicles 6, two things you'll notice here. This chapter talks about Levi and the high priestly lineage through Aaron. Verse 1, verse 3. And so the high priesthood had been given Aaron and his sons. Remember we talked about the genealogy. Important was to know who was there and who the sons came from there so they could, it was vital as they reestablished the worship of the temple. And then the sons of Levi also were given specific duties. First Chronicles 7, as you go through that, you see some interesting time with Ephraim. And from the tribe of Ephraim comes a great guy that, I'd encourage you to just study a little bit this week. You already saw a little glimpse of it tonight. Just go back to the first book of Joshua, I mean Joshua, and just start studying that. From Ephraim comes a wonderful man named Joshua. Now that's a guy I'd like to emulate. Joshua's a tremendous leader, man, man of faith. First Chronicles 8, this section gives specific genealogies of Benjamin, from which Saul came. Then after Saul, who was the first king of Israel, he was replaced, you remember, by King David. And King David, at this particular point, does things right. He waits on God's timing. He doesn't come in, try to overthrow. No matter what anybody says, he waits till God says it's time. First Chronicles chapter 9, look at verse 1, very important verse. It said, all Israel was listed in the genealogies recorded in the book of kings of Israel. 
all of Israel. The people in Judah were taken captive to Babylon because of their unfaithfulness. Remember, the thing that's required of a servant is to be faithful to the promises of God. Let me just read to you. By the way, the last 10 verses of chapter 9 give the lineage of Saul, which will lead us into the next 19 chapters as we head. Let me show you. Just give me one more minute to read this. Apparently, the genealogies of each tribe of Israel were on exhibit in the temple. They were registered until the people went away into captivity. However, the genealogies were preserved and then brought back to Jerusalem. When the returning remnant rebuilt the temple, the genealogies were there. What we've looked here tonight. At that time, the Lord Jesus, later on, at that time, the Lord Jesus was born. When he was born, the genealogies were still intact. And you may be sure, this commentator says, that the enemies of Jesus went in and checked the genealogy. The Gospel of Matthew carries Joseph's genealogy from who whom he gets the legal title to the throne. And the Gospel of Luke carries Mary's genealogy, from whom he gets the blood title to the throne of David. When Titus, the Roman, destroyed the temple in 70 B.C., apparently the genealogies were also destroyed. However, the important thing to note is that here in the Chronicles, the genealogies are traced up to the time of captivity. Then, after the return of the remnant of Israel, the genealogies were continued until the time of the Lord came into the world. After his lifetime, this article said 70 B.C., I think 70 A.D., after his lifetime, the record disappeared. Why? Well, God was interested in making it very clear that to us that Jesus was the very, very man of God. God wanted us to know that Jesus Christ came in the line of Adam that he is the last Adam, and there won't be a third one. Jesus heads up the last family here on earth. There are two, only two families left, the family of Adam and the family of God. And that's who we are. We had to be in Christ. We had to be part of Christ. We're no longer in the old family of Adam. That Adam has been done away with. You can go home tonight and have a Krispy Kreme and a glass of milk and enjoy it. (laughs) Let me challenge you with one thing before we leave. We went through lots of names tonight. As you go through these chapters, you see name after name after name after name after name. I want to leave you this last statement. You heard it before. God loves and is interested in every individual. Be specific in your prayers this week. Write a name down, an individual name. Spell it correctly. Pray for that person. Don't just say all the natives in India or whatever. Write the name down. Your next door neighbor, write their name down. The person that you work with, maybe you carpool with, a student in one of your classes. Write the name down. Pray for them specifically. You see, the more specific our prayer is, the more our prayers are answered. We need to be specific. As we heard many names read throughout the study of First Chronicles today, there was an important point that Pastor Mark wanted us to understand, that God cares for and loves each one of us, as much as everyone recorded in the Bible. Long after the genealogy records ended, His people continued. Just like the people in the Bible, He desires all of us 
to be faithful servants of the Word. And just like them, we'll both fail and succeed. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 2259, and the message was taken from the book of First Chronicles. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 2259. This was taken from the book of First Chronicles. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we go over the part of First Chronicles that contains the prayer of Jabez. As we'll hear, his prayer is an earnest, unselfish one, asking for blessing from the Lord, but not for his own personal gain. Pastor Mark will encourage us to take on that prayer for ourselves and why Jabez prayed what he did. We will see how we can be given a fresh start in life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 1 Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 